everyone. Welcome to the Wash Process Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the things of life, faith, creativity, and transformation, all while drinking great cups of coffee. I'm one of your co-hosts, Carter Moore, and with me, as always, is my other co-host, Kenny G. Kenny, how are you, man? Hey, Carter. I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, dude, super good. Super stoked for today. Yeah, I'm excited for our guest today. Um, It's been a long time coming, so it'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Before we get into that, we're going to talk about the coffee that we're drinking real quickly. We're drinking some coffee today. As always, we have coffee with our guests to recreate the experience of having coffee together in person, but we're doing this over the internet, so we ship out coffee to each guest. Uh, We choose it specifically for the guest, and then we all have it together. Today, we are drinking coffee called Super Thing Coffee Roasters. Um, They're based out of Austin, Texas. We're drinking a natural Ethiopia. Um, really stoked about it. I know our guest typically goes more on the natural, the lighter route. Um, so pretty fun to have that coffee picked out specifically for him. And with that, our guest today is Joe Greer. Uh, for many people who don't know, Joe is a man of many talents. He is a photographer. He's an author. He is probably like the most well-known Instagram Instagrammer out there these days, at least who's making really meaningful work. Um, you know, he's much more than that, though. He's a good person, a good friend, someone who's really intentional about the work that they do, how they move about life, uh, the people that they surround themselves with. So today we're going to be talking with Joe. And with that, I'll bring Joe in. Joe, how are you? How is it going, fellas? Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Stoked to be here. Stoked even more to drink uh, good good coffee. And thanks for thinking of me and kind of knowing my coffee preferences. That uh, definitely uh, goes a long way. And it uh, definitely does not go unnoticed. So appreciate you. Stoked to be here. Yeah, Carter. I mean, Carter is a. I said this in the last episode too, but Carter is like uh, he he waxes poetic when he chooses a coffee for you, right? So like, yeah. I love great coffee. I love sitting with great coffee and and doing that thing, but. You notice he word this, used the word natural and used the word light, talking to a photographer who has amazing mm-hmm. landscapes. So mm. I'm just, there's a, I <laughs> think that's on here. purpose. Carter, <laughs> am I wrong? Am I wrong that that, or is that part of it? No, that, that actually was not. That was purely unintentional. Uh, so Don't lie. You don't have to lie here. This is a safe I, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. Um, no, but we did choose coffee. Uh, Joe, for you, we chose it specifically because I think when I, so I had heard about Super Thing based out of Austin, um, I don't know, a while back, and I'd always been curious to try them, mostly because the branding I thought looked really cool. I'm showing oh, you yeah, that's o- nice. over the screen. It's like a really nice kind of Love that. Uh, design and flat, colorful aesthetic. But I thought of you because, um, one, the natural specifically, but um, yeah. also, you know, you, when it comes to doing things, like feel in many ways like a super person, and this is mm. super thin coffee, like you are shooting for Leica. You've just had a book launch um, with HarperCollins. You've traveled the world. Like you, You've done so many different things. You're an elite runner. Not that you weren't before, but I know you've picked no, that back up again, which too. Which is and weird. That is just a weird new thing. But yes. Yeah. It seems like, man, there's not anything that you're not doing right now. And so I thought this copy <laughs> no. just really seemed to kind of bring that That's out, funny. especially from a natural process point of view. Your yeah. natural talent seems to no, come to I- life. I appreciate the kind words. No, I, I mean, I definitely uh, prefer a, a Kenyan or an Ethiopian uh, bean. So this is this works out perfectly. Cool. Um, Which I need to start making my coffee if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go grab my kettle real quick. 
That's perfect. So while you do that, I'll explain to the listeners what's going on. So actually, um, Joe is so passionate about coffee and so good at it. We thought he would we would have him share uh, his recipe for making a pour over with you. So um, we haven't done this yet on the podcast. So Joe is going to go ahead and just walk us through what he's doing. I know that the audience can't see it right now. But if you're listening to this podcast, you're like, I like coffee, but I don't even know where to start making it on my own. Joe's going to share one of his recipes with us. Looks like he's starting on a Chemex, and I'll let him take it from here. Yeah, so, uh, like, I mean, obviously right now I'm just kind of wetting the filter, getting that situated. Um, yeah, so I do uh, for just myself. Usually I'm making coffee both for myself and Maddie in the morning. Um, so it, it depends on how I'm feeling that day, honestly, uh, but I'm usually up. That's why I'm on the Chemex. I'll make, um, you know, both of ours together. So I'll have 50 grams of beans um, and 800 grams of water to that. But when I'm doing right now, I'm going to have I have 25 grams of beans uh, to about 400 grams of water. That is what I'll do. So I'll do a, you know, 30 second bloom. And then I'll do three separate pours. I'll let it drain completely. So I'll divide whatever gram I have left uh, by three after the bloom. And then that's just kind of how I've always done it. Um, and is there, a, is there a time frame that you're kind of waiting for that you're shooting for? I know some people really, really get um, tied to a specific yeah, minute, minute and second. I don't, I don't go that wild. It's more of a, <laughs> of a, of just kind of a feeling for me. I kind of know kind of, Aside from the bloom, after the bloom, I don't really care sure. about the time. That's kind of the the main thing. Which right now I'm gonna start it. That's kind of the main thing uh, that I kind of focus on with time there. But because sometimes I'll like, I'll do my first pour after the, the the bloom, and then I'll just completely forget about it, and it'll be there for like three minutes, and I'll get pretty upset about that. <laughs> but uh, I'm not too stoked on that. I should probably pay more attention. But um, no, yeah, I don't I don't take it too seriously. Um, but I, man, I. I just, it, it I, 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 I'm going to go ahead and assume that you guys are the same, but just this process, man, is, uh, is incredibly therapeutic, uh, for me. Um, I love it so much to where now, even on my travels, I'll bring a little, uh, travel pour over kit, <laughs> uh, just cause just to ensure, especially if I know I'm going to be in a smaller town or there's not going to be good coffee, uh, around, I'll do that, uh, but even when I travel, it's like, okay, where's the best coffee shop? I'm always trying mm-hmm. to start my day with that um, because it is a, a, a mood setter for the rest of my day. But funny story, actually. Carter will appreciate this. I first started drinking coffee seriously in the, like, my first black coffee I ever had. No milk, no sugar, no cream, no, no nonsense. Was my first week at Fisco. Oh, was it really? August, our, friend, our mutual friend August, who uh, August and I started working in Visco 2014 Man. of the month of August, uh, funny enough. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they're in the Colorado office, you know, they had a little kind of pour over station where you could make coffee and uh, I was horrible at first. I absolutely hated it, um, but everybody <laughs> drank it and I wanted to be like everybody else and I wanted to... You know, because at that point I was just like vanilla latte. Give me all the all the cream, all the sugar. Um, totally. But this, uh, my first week of Visco is what kind of, st- and then it just in a matter of I'd say maybe two weeks, I just absolutely fell in love 
with the whole process of making my coffee, sitting there working, curating all these images, and then it just it it is now sent me down a very dark path of uh, <laughs> of of loving this process. And I got Maddie hooked into it because we were starting we were dating at that point. Yeah, she, she was kind of under the same same breath and uh, didn't really. Um, drink coffee like this uh and so now it's like we can't go without it um it right. is uh but she doesn't like she doesn't enjoy making the coffee you know as therapeutic as it may be to me that's not she can't do it just stresses her <laughs> out she loves that I wake up i'll start heating up the water that i take that uh process which actually i prefer i'd rather if we both liked it that'd be tough just because i really enjoy this process well she just told me she, i'm gonna be gone for a month in europe uh, touring with a band and she's dreading having to make coffee every single day. Do you know that there is a machine out there that is an alarm clock pour-over system that you set your timer to wake up, say it's yeah, 7 a.m. And you can – your alarm goes off, and then the water – it just starts making the pour-over. With, yeah. So you yeah, wake it's up. Bloom, it's got a bloom setting on it too. So, it, like, it does a bloom. It stops. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty incredible. I would not mind being woken up to – the smell of the fresh only coffee. problem is you have you have to grind the night before, the night or before. be okay, yes. or be okay to get up to a first alarm, <laughs> grind, grind, and then go back, lay back down. Right, which I, I mean, whatever, whatever. That's true, but it's. I mean, what a, that sounds pretty amazing. Oh, I it's think. great. Oh yeah, I've looked at it online, and we are in Crate and Barrel this weekend because Brooke, my wife, too. is the same way. Yeah, yeah. she's like. I like making. I like having the coffee, but at the end of the day, I'd probably just make a pot of coffee myself because right. I, you know, it's very technical. Um, and I was like, I saw that in the Crate and Barrel, and I thought, hmm, do I, do I spend this money? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, I have straight up outlawed brew uh, coffee pots at my house, so we we have like oh. five brewing methods, but zero of them are the Mister Coffee coffee pot. Mm-hmm. And my wife is similar ways. Like she will do it because she's a utilitarian, and she'll like she'll get it done. But she is mm-hmm. not like for me. It's 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 the same thing you're talking about. It's the poetry of it. It's like there's the tactile feeling. You know what I mean? It's it's the same reason I've got a record collection. You know what I mean? I want to be able to watch the needle hit the group. Where it's like I want to know that I've been able to be a part of every single part of this process and watch it happen. And it's yeah, it's therapeutic. It's it's almost like a yeah, I don't know. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's like a meditation That's awesome. almost. Though Joe, you were able to get Maddie to it because Brooke, when Brooke and I first met, for sure not a coffee person, all tea. Yep. And then we went through the phase of like you know lattes and lots of chai uh, yes. and uh, mochas and you know doing the wrong though there. But now she's at brewed coffee with just a little bit of cream, and I'm like, wow, wow, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Yes, Myst- he does. Yeah, totally mysterious. <laughs> she has uh, she has found the light. Yeah. That's right. Oh. <laughs> Incredible. Also, well, I think while yours is finishing uh, dripping down in there, Kenny, you want to tell us about how you made your coffee today? Yeah, I mean, I went the, the Chemex route for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I did uh, exactly what he what he said, although I did it um, 50 to uh, – or sorry, 30 to 500. Um, so I'm, ha- I'm going to sip on this throughout the rest of the, the day here. But the tricky thing is this, the spot that I'm in, this is such a – uh, pretentious thing to complain about, but my house, I've got, uh, I've got a temperature dial and I've been really dialing in the temperature at which I'm brewing at my house. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. here at the office, uh, or the record, the studio where I'm at, um, they don't have a temperature on their kettle, which is so, yeah. like I said, pretentious to complain no, about. I so I was like trying thing. to guess at yeah. how hot it is, like touching the side of it. Like, I think we're ready. So I think it's, um, it's a little colder than it was supposed to what be. What temperature do you 
prefer to brew at? Yeah, I've been I've been playing around with somewhere between 185 and 190. Oh, um, okay. Which is pretty pretty low. Yeah, that is pretty um, low. But I've been really liking it nice. around there. Hmm. Um, does that change? But, does that change on the process, on the bean, on the country? Like, how, are you just at no matter the bean, so no matter right, where it's at? Right you're now, always in I'm just I'm just trying to get flat, see what that's like across the spectrum, right. and see where I dial it in. But I was noticing that there was a lot of harshness coming from the temperature I was at, which was way up. I mean, you know, two, 208 or something Oof. like that, 206, which is way too hot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then I was I was like, well, I'll just drop it way low and then work my way back up. Um, we are really getting in on the coffee stuff today. We so are today. Great. I think it's the I'm most okay we've ever that. done. Jeez. I know, that's uh, good. If people are listening for Joe, they've already left. They're going to skip ahead. Like, so. all right. I don't know. Cool. They got Fast Joe's forward. process. They're, like, dialing it in. I know, it's true. And they I like hit to, pause. I, I found a sweet spot at, at a, just at about 200. So that's I got one in one of the, I think it's Fellow, that has a little temperature. Mm-hmm. So I love Oh, nice. Because um, usually the other ones, they just go straight to 212 to like boiling. And it's just yeah, exactly. burning your coffee at that point. Um, and you can absolutely taste it. So uh, it's not it's not pretentious. It, it, it changes the entire process. Literally, like who wants burnt coffee um, every morning? So no, I, I, yeah. I love it. All right, yeah, first so sip. I, let's do it. Mm. Mm. That's good. Joe, how is it? That's nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really good. That's smooth. Carter, do you have a Chemex as well? You know, I did today. Yeah, I yeah. um, I usually do an Americano. Uh, okay. When our daughter was born about a year and a half ago, we bought an espresso machine because I wasn't going to the office, and I thought, mm-hmm. well, I need this. At my, I need this in my life, honestly. Yeah. And um, so normally I do that, but we made I made a pot of coffee for Brooke this morning. Um, okay. So I already had the grind <laughs> set a little bit on the higher end, um, yeah. and so I continued in that route and went similar to you, Joe. I did actually. I kind of split the difference between both of you. I did 25 grams at 450 uh, output, mm. so okay. a little bit a uh, little bit more diluted, but um, on than Kenny or than. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the middle. Us, I'm yeah, somewhere yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Then both of us, I think, from what we said. Yeah. So, and that's where I've been at, and I've I've been enjoying it so far. I love <clears throat> a nice natural Ethiopian. Um, I think in a different episode we talked about the first time I ever had one, and so this mm-hmm. brings mm-hmm. me back a little nice. bit to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think oh, that's well, awesome. it's nice about natural coffees too. Sometimes is that it you can have some of those tea like qualities. In yeah. It. Um, I always light it. The lighter the better. Yeah. And I yeah, for sure. And I feel like probably diluted like you're having it, Carter, you're probably getting even some more of those tea type notes out of it. Anyway, I would guess, but it's really Yeah, good. and I like that. Um but we could talk about coffee all day. We I'm could. sure our fans, um, the few of them that we have would also enjoy it. But <laughs> Joe, I imagine they would like to talk with you a little bit more. So tell us a little bit, you know, you've done a lot already, but tell us like right now, where are you? Who are you? What are you up to these days? Yeah. Um well, I'm currently living, uh, Joe Greer, 33 years old, uh, married to, uh, Madison Greer, uh, who's, I don't think she would mind. She's 27. Um, <laughs> about a five, I should have, maybe should have asked her, uh, but five and a half, almost six year age gap there. But, um, we're currently living in, uh, Franklin, Tennessee, which is about 30 minutes South of Nashville, uh, by way of New York city, uh, at the start of the pandemic, uh, we, uh, we're living in uh, Brooklyn and just happened to do one of our, you know, uh, quarterly trips to Nashville to see family. I have a sister who lives here. The rest of my family lives in East Tennessee. All of Maddie's family's here. And so we were just visiting family for like about a week and uh, 
the NBA shut their season down, the country shut down, and so we were like, let's just ride it out. They said COVID was going to last two weeks, so we chilled for two weeks, and then two weeks ended up being indefinitely. Uh, and so now we've been here, yeah, uh, two year, over, just over two years now, um, which was always the plan. The dream was always to kind of end up in Nashville. but So we are uh, here in Nashville. Um, uh, yeah, I take photos for a living. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of commercial work. That kind of pays the bills of photo books. You know, just had yeah. a book drop a few weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what else to say there uh, other than, you know, I just I love what I get to do for a living. It is, you know, the greatest uh joy and honor in my life to i mean i feel like the luckiest man in the world to to be able to mm. to to make photographs for a living is just it doesn't even feel real uh and there's always that that age-old quote where what is it where you know uh find what you love doing uh for work and you'll never work a day in your, i butchered that whatever that quote is where you'll never yeah, work a day no, in your life you're if there. you do what you're you in the realm i'm at least 70 percent i'm in the door at least 70 yeah right so and i honestly do feel that it's um hmm. you know i've i've heard that 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 line for years and years and years and and only you know only up until the last you know handful of years did i really feel like i was living that you know and it's just i hope it that that uh perspective and and feeling uh stays with me uh for all my days so yeah that's the that's the short of it um i love that yeah that's so awesome how did, how did you get introduced to photography you said you're in your 30s right 30 33 31 yep. 32 33 mm-hmm. so we're around the same age and you know like I think so old all, is crap yeah yeah i mean yeah <laughs> irrelevant a, to most people now <laughs> yeah totally yeah, absolutely <laughs> but you know like we we all grew up knowing what a disposable camera was and mm, oh, digital yeah. cameras were all around the little ones in the pockets, you know, with the cool, cool pics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and then I'm sure around our early twenties or maybe for you in your teen years, I don't know, but mm-hmm. DSLRs became a thing in our right. world and everybody and their mom had one, you know, yeah. but then, but then some people get bit with the bug like you did, you yeah. know? Um, so what, what spurred that on? Yeah. So I was, um, uh, I'd left Florida uh, to go to a small little Bible college out in Spokane, Washington called Moody Bible Institute. Um, applied to Chicago, got rejected and did not like Jesus and sent to, uh, uh the, the satellite sister campus in Spokane, Washington. And, uh, not a creative bone in my body at that phase of my life. Uh, so mm. I was about 21. Um, mm. I think in, in 2010, uh, you know, was planning, went to Moody to try to, you know, to study a uh, biblical exposition. That's what I have my degree in, uh, oh. to be a, a pastor. Um, and it was my sophomore year. So 2011, uh, I had a Android, I think. Yeah. I, I know I had an Android at the time and <laughs> I, I kept seeing people on Facebook post photos to Facebook via Instagram. And I was like, what is this mm. Instagram thing? Cause at the time Facebook, there was no easy way to share photos uh, yeah. to Facebook, the, the, the user design was just horrible. It was trash. And I was always looking for a new way to share. I had a little kind of digital point and shoot camera or photos from my phone that I wanted to just share. So my family could kind of keep tabs on what I was doing out West. And everybody was like via Instagram, via Instagram. I was like, but it was only for Apple or for, you know, the iPhone. And I was like, gosh, man, like, what is this? It looks cool. All these sweet filters, <laughs> uh, and presets, Kelvin, uh, Kelvin <laughs> toaster, uh, <laughs> And I was like, man, I got it, but I have an Android. I can't get it, so I got to go buy an iPhone. So, I mean, I was working at American Eagle and I think Sonic at the time. Uh, and so I just, like, took all, you know, saved up for a few weeks, went and bought an iPhone 4. Uh, 
<clears throat> and that was it, the king of iPhones. That's, too. I mean, that I was would, the best design for a long I, time. It was good. I do. I am. Uh, I think the iPhone 5s is probably my favorite. Mm. Um, in terms also of just d- also this, just the design. I think it had a little touch of the gold kind of lining on that one. And I think the camera that was the best camera in my opinion. Um, <laughs> uh, the 5s, but. So got that, but the iPhone four was great. All glass. I mean, who also who thought of that idea? I mean, we probably all shattered our iPhones during that phase. Oh, yeah. um, Definitely. But uh, so I went and bought one of these iPhones and downloaded Instagram, and it that's kind of that was it. But at the mm-hmm. time, I mean, I was just posting like everybody else, you know, photos of my lot, super sugary latte. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't, you know, hadn't even thought about any kind of photography thing or try to take that seriously at all at that point. Um, but I think one thing just kind of led to another as my curiosity started to grow um, in terms of just overall life experience, being a small town, very uh, sheltered Florida boy living out in the PNW for the first time. I, I think it just, you know, and then I was, you know, one thing just kind of led to another. And as I was taking folders, uh, taking photos and discovering presets and you know, downloading Visco and then just like, man, what? look at, look at all the, you know, the possibilities that I could do. And then, you know, it was like, I'd, I'd, I would go to school functions and there'd be a beautiful sunset and I'd, you know, take photos of these landscapes and, and then, you know, I'd post it and I'm like, wow, 50 likes. And just like starting to freak out and thinking, you know, man, so many people are liking my photos. This is weird. <laughs> you know, as that beast goes and, you know, we all have been there, I guess. Um, and then I just started to like really enjoy it. And then I was in, Greek class or preaching classes or theology uh, classes where I was just, all I was thinking about was like, I cannot wait till this class is over so I can go and take photos or wake up in the morning um, and and bug my buddies to borrow their car to go try and chase sunset somewhere over some lake so I could take some photos. So that was kind of how I, I, my, my entry into photography, I was never really curious about it as a kid. I was never gifted. I mean, I had, you know, disposable cameras when I went to Bible camp. Um, but like, I never thought of photography in any serious way ever. I was, you know, I grew up running, I grew up an athlete. Um, and then kind of my Bible school days happened, uh, and wanting to go into full-time ministry. Uh, that was that phase. And then it was while I was at Moody where, uh, I, I downloaded Instagram, got an iPhone and the rest was history. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, Wild. I, I, in many ways, like, uh, Apple should probably pay Instagram in those early days for how many people probably switched to iPhone. Probably. Just true. To, yeah, because it was like a few years, I think, before yeah. they, you know, mm-hmm. they introduced Android. Yeah. And that's interesting because a lot of people that we've talked to so far on the show have kind of, in many ways, always kind of been creative or like have mm-hmm. creative uh, inclinations since they were younger. And maybe what yeah. they're doing now is not necessarily what they thought they were going to do. Um, but it's always kind of remained in that same field. And, and your journey and process has kind of been a little different. And I think, you know, a lot of younger listeners too, like, I think most people grow up now just feeling naturally creative. Like we live in a really creative yes. centered culture at this yes. point, especially in youth culture. But, um, you know, for someone like yourself, who I think in many ways people admire for their creative abilities to hear that, you know, that journey started later than 12 or 13 years old uh, yeah. is actually pretty inspiring. And mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, how Instagram and social media in general, and as things like have continued to move on, how that kind of impacted and influenced your work. Like, you know, in the early days, I think 
at least for me in particular, I took a ton of landscapes as well because I didn't really know what else. But I was also in Colorado and that was yeah. around me. Yeah. Um, you know, and your work, I think, obviously like really dialed in on some insane landscapes from all over the world. But um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what social media did in terms of like, I think, catalyzing your role as an artist and maybe like pushing you into explore new subject matter and new topics and yeah. kind of in general, just what that role has played other than like, oh, it got me into photography. Um, I mean, because correct me if I'm wrong, you didn't even start out with a DSLR or anything. Mm. It was just pretty much just the iPhone or Android at the start. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, just an iPhone and uh, did that for several years before. I think it was like uh, right at, at, as I accepted that job at Visco, I bought a Canon 5D Mark II and a trusty old, you know, 50 1.4 um, and absolutely hated <laughs> it. Nifty 50. Nifty 50, baby. Absolutely hated it and just made every excuse I could to just grab, gravitate back towards, you know, the iPhone. Um, but over time, you know, I started to learn it because I'm not a, a technically inclined person uh, it's very hard for me to learn new things technically once i get it i i have it and i understand the language but um that is one of my biggest i guess crutches with uh photography is learning a new system um but uh yeah i i mean social media man it, like you said it it was my entry i i have no concept of it i don't you know i kind of wish i mean you alluded to it you know i kind of part of me wishes i discovered or found photography at an earlier age purely just because i would have um, I mean, I hate that I started when I was, you know, 23, 24, and then seriously taking, you know, taking myself seriously or what I was trying to do seriously around 25, 26. You know, I, mm. there was so much missed time. I feel like, you know, I could have started when I was in high school um, and maybe have, you know, started with film. And I kind of envy a lot of, I have a very backwards, <laughs> weird entry into this craft. And I, it makes my story unique and it's part of my journey. And I obviously wouldn't change anything, but I also wish... <laughs> I would have, like a grandparent would have gifted me an old, their old film collection, you know, or something, or I got to, uh, well, it would have been nice to have grandparents in the first place, but that's a very dark joke. So my apologies. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm, I've, I've just been wrestling with that as well. Just like, man, I'm, I see a lot of these younger, super talented, super talented photographers starting when they're like 14, 15, 16, 17. And I'm just like, my goodness, they're getting, they're already so good. And they haven't even hit 20 yet or 21, or they just turned 22. And I'm like, man, I was nowhere near uh, that talented at that age. And so it, it gets me very excited for the next generation of photographers and the next generation of artists and like what they're going to be able to create and document. And I know that the photography space is in, is in uh, incredible hands. Uh, from this, you know, this next generation. And so I kind of, I'm, I'm envious of that a little bit. Uh, but I'm also, you know, I'm very thankful to where I'm at uh, in my in my life and my career. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of, sometimes it's kind of embarrassing to know that I just started on an iPhone in the Instagram era. Just because back then it was, but also I am and I'm not. Like I, yeah. you know, I, and I know you didn't mean anything of it, but like, you know, I hate being labeled an Instagrammer. It is just- Oh, a, for uh, sure, yeah. I and not, I know you know that, and I know you didn't mean yeah. anything of that, but it's like, the that is just the, the, the worst possible word or phrase I could be labeled as. Um, just because it is, photography is so much bigger than Instagram. And you know this, sure. I know this, and it took me years to figure that out. Uh, and then once I did, everything changed. Um, uh, but it's, um, yeah, uh, Sorry, I actually forgot your original question. This no. happens a lot. I'll go down a rabbit trail and I'll, <laughs> I'll completely forget the original question. Um, was it something about social media and how? 
Oh, I was just going to, we were originally talking about how, um, you know, what being on social media did to like expose you to different subject mm, matter and right, stuff. Right. But I think actually thinking about, you know, reading your book recently and talking about your journey and, and knowing bits and pieces of it, um, it seems like for you, and correct me if I'm wrong, like when you started working at Visco, there was kind of like a new um, way of looking at photography. Mm, and then even once yeah. you moved to New York, there was another kind of uh, way of looking Shift, at photography. Yeah. And so I'm curious um, what, like when those shifts happened, what was kind of going through your brain as an artist yeah. and um, what that means for kind of where you're at now? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I write about it in the book, but like that, Visco changed forever the trajectory of my life. I felt like if I mm-hmm. had not gotten that job, which was absolutely by the grace of God, I had a Bible degree and I <laughs> was working at Apple at the time and Sonic, I had like two jobs where I was just like, when I was content and I was happy and, but I had no reason to get that job. And I was like, it was so, even to this day, I'm just, I laugh at the fact that I, <laughs> uh, that, that Greg and Christina hired me, um, which is just the best thing to have happened. But that 10 months that I was there, they completely, uh, and you know this, Carter, I mean, you work there and you know them yeah, well. but it changed like, my com- perspective in life too. Completely obliterated and uh, demolished my very narrow very just short knowledge of what I thought photography was. And at the time it was, so 2014, super peak, trendy PNW landscape, tiny person standing in the middle of the frame against some gorgeous landscape. Um, and at that time, you know, I think I had, I had maybe just surpassed hundred K followers on Instagram. And the one thing I thought I had going for me trying to get this job, Visco did not give a rip about. They didn't care about what number lived next to your name. I was yeah. like, son of a, I can't even use the one thing I thought I had going for me to get in a, a job at Visco. But it all worked out in the end. I ended up getting that job. So I, I went into this, you know, obviously very eager to learn. I had no idea what to expect. And that first week, man, it was just like a crash course to photography 101, back to the basics, tear down everything I've ever new or everything I ever built. Um, and week one, uh, cause I think it was like every week, Jared, uh, up in Seattle would, yeah. you know, give us, uh, kind of like homework to study the work mm-hmm. of, you know, some of the greats that have gone before us or that are still among us. And week one was, uh, I was studying, uh, the work of Alex Webb, who is now mm-hmm. like one of my favorite photographers and uh, especially compositionally. And I'm like looking at his work. I'm like, what is this garbage? And I'm just like, I couldn't, comprehend his his compositions or that he was like so well known in the space i'm like what am i looking at like what like but it was the best thing to have happened to me and like and then just like trying to like study his photos or another you know photographers uh like him uh in the space because every week we were studying a new photographer and i was just getting exposed quickly to some of the greatest to have ever picked up a camera um and at that time I was just like classic iPhone landscape PNW guy, um, and so quickly Visco just challenged every method of thinking photographically for me, uh, and I started to just consume some of this incredible 
great inspirational work that now is still some of my favorites and I have all of their photo books. And so, and, and over time, you know, also, you know, being a curator for the online gallery of Visco back at that day was, I mean, I was looking at thousands and thousands of images yeah. a day, all the good thousands. ones and <laughs> all of the bad ones. And so that was a really quick way for me to just recognize, um, uh, objectively or subjectively, a good photo versus a bad photo. What are they looking for? What are we not looking for? And so that was that was my photo school. That was my art school. That's so cool. Um, and so it was just this really like accelerated process uh, that in one month's time, I feel like I grew, like that was a semester of work or a year of photo, for me at least. Um, and I was just a freaking sponge, man. And I wanted to soak it all in. I wanted to learn. I was buying these books of these artists that Jared was giving me homework on. <laughs> I was like starting to w photograph less landscapes, even though I was living in Colorado, I was trying to do more mm -hmm. like kind of this like mundane. And then I was, you know, tapping into like portraiture, like photographing some of my coworkers. And then I met Maddie. And so then I was like photographing portraits with Maddie at that time. And I hadn't really discovered street yet at that point. Um, but yeah, I was just so curious on all these different um, elements and lanes of photography, and uh, Visco kind of like started that, and then it took you know a life of its own, uh, having moved. Uh, well, there's Portland. That's kind of when I discovered yeah. street uh, for two years, um, and then also a new approach to landscape, kind of taking everything I learned at Visco, and then trying to look. Okay, how can I do this differently? How can I do this? Um, yeah, from a, I guess a, a different angle. Uh, but it was, you know, in, in Portland when I, you know, discovered uh, landscape photography for the first, or excuse me, uh, street photography for the first time. And then that, that obviously took a life of its own when I uh, moved to New York, uh, spring of 2017. So for wow. the uninitiated, the people who don't really know what street photography is, mm. namely me, in this conversation. <laughs> no, I mean, I've seen what, you've seen your website, of course, and um, seen other people list that. Mm -hmm. um, but to my eyes, I go, okay, kind of a portrait kind yeah. of cityscape what what would you describe as street photography mm. for i'm sure i could just look it up on the web on the internet but i'd have you here yeah you have some amazing street photography so t tell me what that. that is yeah man uh, it's pretty i mean i'm sure so many different uh, street photographers could uh, define it in so many different ways um uh but to me it's yeah I, it's literally um photographing the everyday mundane, mundane, unlikely interactions um, of humans on the street, getting from point <laughs> A awesome. to point B. And I think what's so special about it and so fascinating um, about it is that it is up to the, the photographer to choose that moment to hit that button. Whatever it is that's drawing them into that, that scene could be light, could be color, could be warmth, could be movement, could be an interaction. Wow. You're putting, for a split second, you're putting people, an intersection of people in four corners, in a frame that otherwise do not belong together. <laughs> so you've got these intersections of life, of class, of ethnicity, of background um, that are coming together quickly in the frame and they're, they're intersecting and they're crossing paths for a split second. And you're choosing, for whatever reason, um, movement, light, time of day, mood, emotion, interaction, yeah. conflict. You're choosing right. to make that photograph and to freeze that frame, 
putting these people together that do not belong in that frame, but in that moment they belong because it was, it was true and it was honest at that exact moment. Um, and what's so fascinating about it, having photographed landscapes, portraits, models, uh, streets, the, those street photos cannot be replicated. And I think this is the thing that always draws me back to photographing on the streets. Everybody can go to the same mountain, the same national park, grab the <laughs> right. same model, yeah, and put them sure. yeah. on the same rock and pose them yeah. the exact same way and shoot on the same camera, the same focal length with the same perspective. So much of that can be replicated and done over and over and over and over and over again, especially in studio stuff. You know, you can see a lot of the portraits or uh, editorial or conceptual work. Mm -hmm. it, it all it all can be done exactly the same, the same with the same yeah. people, but it is almost near impossible um, to do that on the streets. That moment is there and it is gone forever and it will never repeat. Um, even if yeah. you happen to stumble across the same person, which has happened to me in New York City, I've actually mm -hmm. there's a there's a few photos of when I was living there. Uh, West 34th and 7th where I was I actually photographed the same guy doing the same thing three different times over the course of like six months and he was just like at his bus stop after work it was like 5 p.m 6 p.m and he was just and this is just a rare case I think of, of just street photography where he was just sitting there waiting and with his eyes closed looking up and just like taking in the sun hitting his face he probably just had a long day at work about to get on his bus and i've made three separate frames of of him over the course of 6 months and that and that's a rare case where those moments kind of happen yeah. to the same people but for the most part you're you're capturing these these moments mm -hmm. uh, that are there for a split second and they're gone and they will never intersect or happen or cross Again, and um, and those photos are so specific and unique to that street photographer and when they choose um, to hit that shutter button. Uh, and that is just, um, that's just infectious to me to know that nobody else that's is going to go try and copy and do this. I mean, yeah, there are themes that show up that are similar uh, within street photography, but I just, I just love that it's, um, that those moments on the street are so fleeting. Um, so, yeah, so it always draws me back. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're good. Um, so let's say somebody's listening to the podcast and they're, you know, teenager or uh, young college student and they've got they've got a smartphone because most of us do or they've got a DSLR and they're like, you know what? I want to go do some street photography. Yeah. What would you say? Like, where do they start? What do they do? Just hop on a bus and go. What do you look for? What should you know what I mean? Like just a little 30 seconds of, you know, minute of advice to somebody who's like, this sounds awesome. I've never done that before. I'm going to grab my iPhone and, and just let it rip. Yeah, I would. I mean, the biggest thing is is getting on that bus or jumping on your bike or heading into town and to do it. Um, I think street photography is one of the harder to step into spaces and lanes of photography. Um, you're putting yourself yeah, it out there. Yeah, can be intimidating. Uh, incredibly it's intimidating. Really intimidating. Yep. And um, even no matter how often I do it, I still have that that kind of that that fear of like, oh man, like what's gonna you know, especially. Recently, because I, you know, I took about six months off from shooting on the street, and I just now got back into it when I went to New York last week and had a lot of rust. I had to dust off. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say the biggest thing is just getting out there and doing it. Every time you take that photo, you'll start to build more and more confidence, especially as you're approaching. You know, for me, starting street photography, I just photographed a lot of people from of, of their backs from behind. That was my because mm -hmm. like, oh, I can't have them see me take their photo. How would they respond? How would they react? And so that was just me getting comfortable in the space and getting comfortable in the dance of street photography and finding the rhythm. Okay, what are, what are my preferred focal lengths? I started like on a 50 
And so that was a little too punched in. And then I went to a 35 and it still felt a little tight. And then I've landed on the 28 millimeter focal length, which is kind of pretty true to the iPhone uh, mm -hmm. as well. And so that's mm -hmm. kind of like how I see that's, you know, with my peripherals before things start to blur, I feel like I, we see in a 28 focal length, some people say 35, I'd like to think it's 28. <laughs> um, but I, I would say, yeah, I mean, I start, I did a lot of street stuff on the iPhone. I still do when I'm out and about and I don't have my camera on me and I see a scene that's just beautiful, whether it's light or it's a, uh, you know, a, a moment happening between people, I'll grab my phone out and, and, and take some photos. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what's, I mean, the biggest thing is no, just getting great. out there and just and, and putting the feet, putting your feet on the ground and start walking and then uh, start photographing anything that catches your eye, Wh whether it be light, whether it be uh, an interaction between people, whether it be um, a crazy scene that just like happens right in front of you um, and you're there to yeah. see it. Um, so much of street photography is happenstance, being at the right place at the right time. <laughs> and the only way that you're going to get good street photographs is being out logging miles, walking hours and hours and hours. And for hours, you may not see anything interesting and you may not get any good photos. Uh, but the only way to get that practice or to get those, you know, uh, great photographs that you love and that you want to share is by putting in the time and the hours. It just takes time. Landscape photography, mm -hmm. I mean, you gotta, yes, you have lighting and condition and storms and, you know, things to consider. Um, but for the most part, street photography, uh, landscape photography, you can just show up, get your great photo and that's it. But with street photography, it is, it yeah. takes so much time to get a good body of work. Um, and something I'll probably be working at for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's awesome. I really like something that you said, um, around that, you know, it's the unique photographer and it's their decision to press the shutter. Um, that moment will never happen again. Even if the exact situation and circumstances and all those people came into the same frame, like a different photographer would shoot it in a completely yes. different way. And I think that is something that, you know, holistically looking back at this whole podcast, this whole episode, thinking about, you know, natural talent and your journey of discovering, like nobody else can see it the way that you see it. Nobody else has had the process of growing naturally, like, you know, some people are taught in a school and they learn a specific mm, way of yeah. thinking and like you've gotten yes. to develop that naturally in many different ways and kind of let from a coffee speak, like let those sugars really come out, um, you know, and nice. be refined in a, in a different way. And yeah. so, um, yeah, it was just really interesting to hear you say that because I've tried recreating things on the street whenever I'm in street, like Portland, I live in the Burbs now in Tigard. Um, Ooh, but, Tigard, let's go. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, but when I'm on this street in Portland or New York or London or wherever, like I'm not great at street. Um, but even mm -hmm. then, like when I choose to take a shutter, it reflects or when I press the shutter, it reflects my perspective. Yes, it um, does. And there's something beautiful about that, that we're like uniquely created and made differently. We're making uniquely and creatively. 100%. And I could not agree more. And I kind of like reference this a little bit um, in my book where it's like I as, as I was kind of like processing some of the trauma that I was like going through and looking back on my work and not, and then realize, especially my New York body of work on the street, realizing themes popping up in my work, uh, in my photographs and meaning like I just, for, for years I was gravitating towards parenthood, motherhood and fatherhood mm -hmm. and just that interaction and that intersection of, uh, of a father interacting with their child or a mother interacting with their child and realizing yeah. the lack of, um, and just always, yeah, photographing 
that, and I'm like, why, why is, why is this coming up in my work often? I wasn't intentionally trying to go photograph yeah. mothers and fathers yeah. and, 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 and their children. It just was like something that was, that felt foreign to me. Um, that display of affection, that display of love. Um, and then realize, and then just having this aha moment, looking at, at that and then writing this book and then a bunch of old trauma resurfacing as I'm writing this book and realizing that I are thinking that I had already dealt with that. Unfortunately, I had not. That just had resurfaced and I had to deal with a lot of things I thought I had processed through. And then just looking at my street work, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. But that wouldn't be your perspective, right, Carter? I, yeah, mean, I don't know your totally. childhood. I mean, I know a little bit, but I don't know much of it. Um, so and that's the beauty of, of, of photographing on the street is like, subconsciously whether we like it or not there are things from our past good bad and the ugly influence what we gravitate towards when we're behind that camera and we can fight it however like day and night we can push <laughs> against it but i have just learned to embrace that because that mm. is something that is so specific and unique to my journey uh, especially when i'm behind the camera and i use that as like a as a it's fuel. It is my secret weapon. It is a well that is deep and that I can access that well whenever I want. Photographically, whether it's on a commercial shoot, whether it's on a portrait shoot with Maddie. That's so good. On a landscape or on the streets. I'm the only one that can tap into that well. Carter, you're the only one that can tap into your well when you're on the streets of London or on the streets of Portland. Because you're going to be like drawn to certain themes. or uh, And I just noticed that like... I was gravitating towards things that felt foreign to me or to my experience. And one of that being um, motherly and fatherly love and affection. And there's, there's been other things that, that, have, that have popped up in my work. But now that I recognize that, you know, I, I go to, I, I, when I'm on the streets, you know, I, I see those moments. And I'm like, oh, you know, that's, I know why now I gravitate towards that or, mm -hmm. you know, or gravitating more towards, you know, uh, just intimacy on the street is always something very fascinating to me. Um, so it's just, it's just, that's the beauty of, I think of just being a photographer is that we all are bringing something to the table, whether we yeah. realize it or not. And, um, growing up in the South and growing up in a, you know, traditionally con super conservative, uh, masculine dominated, you know, the traditional masculine kind of approach to life. It's like, Joe, you know, keep your emotions at bay. Don't bring that stuff mm -hmm. into the workplace. You clock in, leave your personal life at home, do your job, clock out deal with it when you get home. You don't bring that into your, your, your workplace. And then just with photography, it's completely opposite. It's completely backwards. I, mm. you, I love using all that stuff. All, like I'm not a robot. Photography, we're not robots. We have emotions, <laughs> we have feelings, we have thoughts, we have perspectives, we have impulses uh, when we're behind that camera. And we don't need to leave that, you know, at home. We, I think we need to use that um, the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, when we're behind that camera because I think that's where you're going to be able to connect with your model more. You're going to be able to, to be more in tune and more in sync um, when you're on the streets. And, and that's why I love, I think I always gravitate towards streets just because it's it's poetic. It's a dance that's happening and you find that rhythm and you find that groove. And when you're in it, you feel it, you feel unstoppable. Uh, and I never really feel that with landscape. Obviously, it's different. I'm, when I'm shooting landscapes, it's that, that taps more into my spiritual side and kind of like the, the grandeur of, of, of creation. Um, and then when I'm, yeah, I can go into that later, but yeah. One so thing I, I, that's so interesting. No, don't be sorry. You're, this is amazing stuff, man. I, I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated with this, um, con connectivity between, uh, creativity 
mm. your own like processing things that have happened in your own life, and then also the intersection that happens with spirituality. I mean, you spoke earlier. Yeah. You went to Bible college. You're not a full time pastor. Thank God. So there's obviously that, right? <laughs> am I right about that, or are you? No, yeah, are you I'm also definitely a full-time not. pastor. Okay, no, great. I am definitely like, not a full-time professional pastor. runner, full-time pastor. No, no. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, but but hear me out. There's this photo that's in uh, that's on your street photography list, and uh, is the the very very bottom, and it's a picture, and we'll link it in our show notes of a okay. man standing in front of a sign that says, um, "Where will you spend eternity?" Mm. Yeah. And it is fascinating to me. That you talked about intimate moments. This is an intimate moment. Yeah. At least it seems that way. The way that you shot it is intimate. Yeah. <laughs> at least. Um, and so I'm. I mean, really, just kind of using that as a way to launch into a conversation about um, how do you see these people through the lens of the gospel mm-hmm. as you're looking through the lens of a camera, obviously. But the, you know what I mean. Does, does that make sense? Like this person here. I don't know his story. I don't know if you know his story. But this, it's a, it's a stunning shot to see right. the rest of world happening. And then for me, as I'm looking at it, it's, it's just, he's stopped in a, a moment. Like it's yes. just everything else around him, it doesn't matter. He's thinking about this one question that mm-hmm. is almost like, um, it's handwritten. It looks, it's not, yeah. this is not some big campaign for some, from some big right. church, you know, this right. is somebody took time to, I don't know how they got this up there, but it looks, you know, it's really, yeah. anyway, so. Um, so I, you don't have to talk about this specific yeah. shot, but just the idea, you know, even, even scripture, even Jesus says like the eyes of the, the light yes. of the body, you know, like, mm. and it's, you can see there's a good light, there's a bad light. And so you can look through the eyes of somebody and you can see whether it's joy or pain, right. you can see those, there's people's eyes. Right. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm going. No, yeah, no, that's good. I love that. Uh, now that's uh, a great photo. And, it, and that was the closing photo of my NYC. I love you book, my debut, uh, uh, book that I, uh, came out with two years ago. Uh, that was happened to happen in Washington square park. Um, and I love, that's why I love shoot photography too. It's like, I could tell you the behind the scenes of that photo of what was happening, but you you have your own perspective and I mm-hmm. love the power and the mystery of street photography is that you guys are going to digest that photo in a very specific way. Um, and that's why I don't like interacting with my subjects, um, too often. I I just, I like keeping that mystery there. Um, I like, I don't like to, 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 to break, um, yeah, just contact with, with, um, my subjects. I, I, I just like, purely just to see what happens. And I also try not to like over spiritualize my photographs. Like I'm not this mm-hmm. like Christian totally. photographer or like I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I growing up in the church and then working at a church in Portland for two years. And then I've just seen things done so over the top, so cheesy, so sure. tone deaf. So and I have my, like, I mean, I'm, yeah. So I just like try very hard to like, not try to make, super spiritual photographs that's just not i i am a believer i believe the imago day lives and flows in my veins and you know his um i don't know i just i just want to photograph life and i believe um jesus's love and impulse and the imprint of God is all throughout every facet of life, whether it's a landscape, 
whether it's a, a, a intimate portrait of my wife, whether it's of a stranger on a street. Um, and I have that framework um, to work through photographically, but I'm not intentionally trying to go and like trying to like lead somebody to Jesus through a street photo. Sure. That's just not, I feel like in my perspective, I'm not saying you're suggesting that either. I'm just saying for me, it's like, I get posed that question a lot by other Christians and mm. they almost want me to be more like, uh, yeah. Preaching the gospel with it. Like yeah. I just am not, that's not my approach. Like there are times where my photos speak to people in a very spiritual way and, um, and raise questions about faith or raise questions about Jesus or ask questions about yeah. Jesus. And that's the beauty of it. I'm, I, I'm not trying to shove scripture down somebody's throat. Sure. I'm not going to like leave this long, you know, chap, you know, Romans chapter eight caption on one of my photos. Um, I can't oh, do that. Been to and, Bible college. and people, <laughs> brother, I have books of the Bible. I, I have chapters memorized. I could, yeah. I can go into it, you know? Um, and I'm very thankful for my education and, and my, uh, approach and my walk. And I'm not ashamed of it at all, but I just, with photography is like, there's a very fine line of what I'm trying to accomplish and what I'm trying to do and trying to listen, um, to the Holy spirit and trying to trust, mm-hmm. Um, the Lord's leading in my life. Um, and to, uh, I think the biggest thing for me, it's like, just, I just want to love people well photographically. I want to do right by people photographically. I want to inspire people and to just, if I can like, especially now, man, in, in, in 2022, it's like, we just don't know how to slow down, hmm. uh, especially on social That's media. So All we do is scroll, double tap, scroll, double tap, scroll, double tap. We are now robots right. in this crazy system and i have a lot of uh i'm very thankful for my uh what i've learned on instagram but i'm also there's a lot of things i do not like about that process um and things i have been trying to unlearn um for years um but i'm just trying to like keep people from scrolling and if that's an emotion Mm -hmm. if that's an interaction if that's a, a gorgeous color palette if that is um uh, or even if it's in my book, if it's a, just a tough conversation of conflict, of family conflict, of of faith conflict, um, whatever it is, I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to um, I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to be open. I'm trying to be transparent. Mm. I'm trying to be vulnerable. Yeah. And I think if I can do that, whether it's photographically or whether it's in written word, um, I think there are elements of of the life of Jesus that can come out in that and not me just making it so blatantly obvious mm. because I feel like at that point, like, I feel like I'm, I'm, I don't know, like I'm missing a lot of what Jesus came and did because he all, he did what he did is he literally walked among us and he lived life. Right. Um, and he was, in, he was intimate and he was passionate and he was transparent yeah. and he was vulnerable and he, he walked and did life with the unlikely and people that, the religious folk, the Sadducees and the Pharisees of that time, they did, it's like, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you interacting with these people? And I just, so, so I see the life of Jesus and I know and I study his work in the gospels. Um, and I'm just yeah. trying to, I don't know. I could. Yeah, and he was slow about it. He was he slow was. He I mean, was. He, was only, he was only really active in ministry for three years, and that's a quick yep. timeline, and we all know that. Yeah, I, also, like, I'm living yeah, my Jesus year right now, big 33, so I, uh, about that. I cannot wait to turn this coffee into wine here soon, hopefully, right. uh, <laughs> through the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll see. I mean, in this time zone, it's noon, so let's get going. Um, no, I, but just this idea that, like, okay, it was a short amount of time, and it was, it was yeah. powerful and impactful, but so often Jesus was uh, allowed himself to be interrupted. 
yes. on the mm. way to heal the centurion's child. Guess what? He gets interrupted. Yeah. And he takes a whole detour. And you got to imagine the people around are like, hey, hey, bro, we got to, let's go. Right. We got a timeline. Let's, right. let's move on this. And he's, you know, even that lesson of being slow. You know, yeah. you, even you just saying like, don't just, anything I can do to stop you scrolling, which is so counterculture to our yeah. way of life. Now we live in totally. this, we live in this Gary V hustle, hustle, go, 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 go. Like we got to work, we got to work, we got to stack, yeah. we got to stack. And I know we're all familiar with, you know, or maybe I don't know about you, Kenny, but I know Carter yeah. and I are familiar with uh, the work of John Mark Comer mm-hmm. and his book, The uh, oh, yeah. Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. That book changed my life. It changed. It had. And so I'm just like, so uh, just aggressive now on trying to slow down uh my life whether it's through making a pour over and and just <laughs> slowing down in the mornings and just not trying to rush through my day or why I enjoy excuse me why I enjoy shooting film because it slows me down creatively and and uh, and that's why I try not to shoot as much digital because it just I see these impulses start to pick back up creatively so every facet of my life um trying to slow down because you you you're absolutely right kenny you see that uh in the life of jesus and so i try to do i try to obviously as, as best as i can um uh yeah start you know pursue that as well but um yeah oh dude we didn't even get to like talk. i was gonna totally talk about the hasselblad <laughs> that we found and sent to carter what because you talked about yeah you talked about film photography yeah like a, oh, we'll you found a hasselblad Okay, so thir- we can seconds. talk about it later if you need. I know to, we're a little but... later. No, I think for the photography people in the audience, they'll be interested. My best friend's father passed away uh, mm. two years ago, and um, so two years ago in February, it's two years ago, right? Yeah. Close anyway, to. so he's a photography guy for years, but had s- several physical ailments that stopped him from shooting for a long mm. time. But he started doing photography in the '70s and '80s. Wow. Way into it, way way into it. And so we, he had a bunch of stuff stacked up throughout the house in different places. And right. Anyway, to cut to the chase, we're cleaning it all up. I flew back to California, which is where I grew up, and where me and my best friend and, and a photographer friend of ours are trying to make sense of all the stuff that's there. Me and my best friend from growing up, like childhood, you know, this is his dad. We had, we're not, he's into photography. I'm a little bit, I know my way around, but not enough, you know. So we start finding some stuff, and we, um, we, we found a Hasselblad. We're like, oh my what is this? And I'm asking questions and we're asking, come to find out it's Hasselblad. They took it to the moon. It's a big deal. Like, whoa, this is wild. And so then we keep uncovering stuff and we find a second Hasselblad camera. Incredible. We're like, what is happening here? Why does he have two of these things? And we're clearing all of it out, find a couple of lenses, find a couple of things that go along with it. Lo and behold, in a box, a third, three Hasselblads, (laughs) three. So anyway, we, we sold one, his son kept one and we set one, sent one to Carter Moore. Incredible. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, I don't know if you ever the saw dream. Like the dream. Blessing of a gift. It was, the dream. Uh, it was a wild thing. So we, but that. we were sitting there brainstorming, like, who, is gonna, who else is going to shoot on one of these things? Who, who knows? And so yep. we, all, we, we thought Carter would, would enjoy it. But have you ever shot on a Hasselblad? Real quick. Um, I actually have not. No. no You're uh, more of a Yashica guy, right? Yep. Um, so I've got one of those. Uh, I would love a Hasselblad. Um, there's a certain version of one that I would really like. Uh, the... SMC, it's a, it's got like a fixed 38 millimeter lens on it, so it's pretty wide. It's like a wide square format, um, but they're like six grand. They're stupid <laughs> expensive. Um, so, I, but I love the form factor of it. I, you know, I think it's incredible. Yeah. I think they're absolutely beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful machine. Um, uh, but right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep shooting my cheaper version of the Hasselblad until I can, <laughs> you know, invest in one of those. But if I do that, I want to get the, the one that has the, 
I forget the, like the version of it, but uh, it's got this like beautiful lens on it that's mm. kind of like a 25 millimeter kind of perspective, 28 millimeter perspective that I like to shoot normally, but on a, a six by six, which I think would be that's incredible. Awesome. But love that story. That's yeah. that's, that's amazing. Great. We also found a 1,000 millimeter lens. That's huh. ridiculous. It was very long. Ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Anyway, sorry, we're done. Joe, thanks. Man, I, I, I keep thinking about that image um, we were talking about earlier, and we're, we're wrapping now, but, um, you know, I, we were talking about, you know, you're not a Christian artist, so to speak, and mm-hmm. I love that because wrapping in everything that we're talking about and, like, you know, our subconscious coming through our work mm-hmm. and whether yeah. we like it or not, like, when I see that photo, you know, I see, I don't see the guy looking at it so much as I see myself reflecting on yes. the question that he was looking at. Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, you know, inherently like we don't, there isn't Christian art, so to speak. And it, we shouldn't be trying to make Christian art in that mm-hmm. way. Like God has given us gifts to yes. make things and reflect his glory through what we make, but it doesn't have to be this like obtuse version of right. what we think it should be. And so like for mm-hmm. me that, because that even wasn't Christian art, like I reflected more on it myself from a yes. faith point of view than anything else. And so, right. Thank you for like using your perspective in a way that's not meant to be salesy or preachy, mm. because I think it actually has landed more with me, um, even mm. in this moment than it could have had it been like super intentional, like right. trying to evangelize or something like that. <laughs> sure. So thanks for allowing yourself to be interrupted, uh, in the same way that we were talking about interruptions earlier and letting mm. I love that. what your life is doing, um, come through the lens. But Thinking about closing now because I know we're kind of at time and I, I you're a you're busy. No, guy we're good. I got trying to I got time, <laughs> so it's all good. No, I've, I've been thoroughly enjoying this conversation and mm. it's been an incredible question. So we can keep going if you want, or if you have other questions, but I'm in no rush. Yeah, well, one thing that we always do at the end of our podcast is we ask everyone the same random questions. Oh boy, um, we don't tell people what they are in advance, uh, and none of these episodes have, have at this point released yet. And so you wouldn't have known them have, unless okay. you talked to any of the other guests. So here Kenny's go. going to take it from here. And uh, just the first thing that comes to your mind. So quick answer? Yeah, it doesn't have to be necessarily a quick answer, but gotcha. just uh, kind of a gut reaction. Oh so boy. it's not like, I'm not going to shoot them at you like you only have 10 seconds to answer. Nothing um, that's going to get you canceled, Joe, or anything <laughs> well, like that. Depends on what he answers, but the questions aren't designed to get you canceled. How about yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> no gotcha journalism. Love it. <laughs> okay, you ready? Let's hear it. All right. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, like professionally, what would you do? I would l- love to be a chef. Oh, really? Yep. Do you cook a lot at home? Because of COVID, kind of, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people had that, you know, kind of experience. Yeah. Um, I think it, there, there are a lot of parallels to photography with cooking in terms of like composition, trying to see what flavors, i.e. colors, contrast, film stocks focal lengths. Um, so I think there were just so much parallel as I was trying to, I'm not a good cook. Maddie is an incredible cook, but I've been learning and I just love again, how hands-on, how tactile, Mm -hmm. how analog it is of just like prepping the vegetables, getting things ready, and then starting from scratch and seeing a final product, putting on our plate. I don't know. I just, I fell in love with it. I was like, man, I'm not really good yet. I'm not, I don't think I'm whatever, take it seriously enough to press into that. But I think, man, this would, I think this could, if I had a different life, I think I would have absolutely have gone to uh, um, culinary school and would have loved to press into that lifestyle. I, I'm just absolutely enthralled with uh, just that. And I watch a lot of cooking shows and I'm deep in that world. But no, yeah, That's I think awesome. I'd be a chef. That's wonderful. All right, what's one thing in your life right now that you need to throw away? 
throw away? I would say my digital cameras. I'm oh. kidding. No, <laughs> not really. Whoa. Um, I just sewed down the film rabbit hole where it's like I have to shoot digital for some client work, but I'm rarely shooting that for personal work. So hmm. it just feels kind of, it kind of gets in my way sometimes. Um, you just go ahead and let me know what dumpster you're throwing those away. No, in. no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I would say a throwaway, <laughs> actually probably a, a vintage clothing. I'm now deep down a, 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 a path where I'm just collecting so much vintage tees. Uh, where now it's kind of getting a, uh, it's yeah. getting dangerous. So I should probably stop <laughs> doing that. What's your favorite word in the English language? It is a word that I have a very hard time saying. Uh, whether that's my, uh, oh, I'm gonna try and say it correctly for this first time. Suspicious. Oh my gosh. I usually say spacious. I usually put the P first. It's, um, it's a word that I've had trouble with pretty much my entire life. Um, yeah. So I think that's probably my favorite word because I have a hard time saying it. Sus- suspicious. I love it. No. Nailed it. You got it twice now. You nailed it twice. What's your, what's your least favorite word? Mm. Suspicious. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's say suspicious as well. It is both my favorite and my least That's favorite. That's amazing. I love that. <laughs> uh, without trying to be clever or cool, what's an album you love start to finish? Current, I'm just gonna, going off on where I'm at right now. I am absolutely loving Harry Styles' new album. Oh, it great. has been on repeat since it came out. It is um, not sick of it yet. It's been, uh, yeah, one of my favorites right now. Um, but that's just because... Uh, of the world I'm in, and me just that's just all probably listening to it right after this podcast. <laughs> so good, awesome. me too. That's probably great. it's really good. Have you heard it yet? I haven't. No, oh, I haven't listened to it yet either. My Introducing goodness. me, please listen to it. It's so good. It is so good. And text me your thoughts when you're done. I will. We'll do it. Absolutely. I've been listening to um, Kendrick's new album, but I'm a, mm, a professional. I haven't heard that one yet. Uh, professional youth pastor and uh, young adults <laughs> pastor, so I had to find the clean version on YouTube. That's right. A whole playlist of the clean version. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I can't wait to hear the listen to this episode. The analogies um, that you're going to work into your, you know, your your <laughs> sermons there. It's going to be great. No man, I, um, admit it. Just admitting it right here is Gotta already putting me brother. under fire. It's already <laughs> yeah. putting me under fire. No, it's no, all good. I think I think Kendrick's a super interesting figure, and I'm very interested in his take on the last two years. So yep. anyway. Yep. But that's a different conversation. Sorry. I love it. I'm answering your question. Okay, last question. What is your most memorable coffee experience? Mm. Most memorable coffee experience. Uh, oh, boy. I would say... Uh, there's two really. I think it was like that. Those first few weeks working at Visco, when I discovered, mm-hmm. you know, or they were making pour overs, and I wanted to kind of get into that world. That kind of just changed my life. But I think it was the first time I made pour overs uh, in a wild landscape. The camping uh, was August of 2016. I did a camping trip with some close friends and Maddie. Um, in uh, Glacier National Park, and I packed my own Chemex filter. We're in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. There was like a guest bathroom that I boiled the water, and I pre, you know, uh, grinded all the beans, and I had little plastic baggies, and it was just like I had this gorgeous landscape. And first thing in the morning, six thirty for sunrise, and I'm just like 
cold. I've got my jacket on. I'm just making coffee for everybody. That was, and then just being able to have a delicious cup of coffee in Glacier National Park was, uh, I think it's, just, it's still to this day, I think about it. Um, and, and just how now every time I try to go and camp or, you know, I'm out in the wild, I try to, you know, uh, bring good coffee and kind of enjoy um, a, a cup of uh a natural Ethiopian or Kenyan coffee in, uh, in, in nature. I think that is, was one of my favorite moments. And still now I try to recreate those every time I'm out in nature. I love that. That's awesome. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. Well, Joe, thanks man for making time for us today. Yeah. Drinking the coffee we sent you. Oh, yeah. of course I've, I've got some uh, leftovers, so I'll, uh, I'll keep this going, but appreciate you guys. Good. This was, um, yeah. very great questions and, uh, I love the honesty and, the transparency as well. So thank you so much for giving me a space to, to, to be honest and open and transparent with yeah, you guys. We, appreciate it. We really appreciate it. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of stuff you were talking about that I think I'll be thinking about myself for a little while. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, but for people who are listening, who may not know you, um, <clears throat> is there, what, where's the best place to keep up with your work, uh, find your work, buy your work, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I would. I mean, Instagram is probably the okay. easiest place. Uh, I don't think people really check out websites too much anymore. Um, but maybe people do, but I just yeah, uh, Iowa Greer or Iowa okay. Street um, on Instagram, I guess. Um, but you could hit up Google, type Joe Greer book, and it'll <laughs> just pop up there. Or um, the Lay of the Land actually now is in most bookstores. Maybe in Powell's actually. Um, yeah. If you ever go through, if you go to Powell's again recently, let me know. Um, but people have been sending me. Uh, videos and DMs of them finding it in small little indie bookstores, and that's just the wildest thing uh, to me still. Um, hasn't really hit me yet. But, um, yeah, you can uh, buy that book on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Target, ChristianBookstore.com, wherever books <laughs> are sold. Um, but, no, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, How about true. Moment? Do you want to hit? You want to promo that real quick? I know that you have something on there. Oh yeah, uh, those are, oh, I've released those uh, years ago. It feels like, but uh, I have a few uh, photographic uh, workshops on there as well. One is on uh, photographic storytelling, and the other is on uh, street photography. One on one, everything I've learned up to this point uh, on street photography, you can find that on uh, Moment.com. Uh, awesome. Joe, seriously, man, thank you. Always good to see you. You I too, man. You hopefully, our, it has. Hopefully, our paths cross soon. And Kenny, it was an absolute pleasure meeting absolute you, brother. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, if I'm ever in Nashville, I'll hit you up. If you're ever in KC, man, let's get a cup of coffee. There's a couple of great spots up here. So we'll do uh, for sure. The Wash Process is produced by me, Kenny G, and it's written by myself and Carter Moore. Special thanks to Radiant Church, Kansas City, for letting me use their studio. The song you're hearing is called Spirit Blossom. It's by Roman B. Love. Carter is a photographer and writer based in the Pacific Northwest, and I am a youth and young adults pastor here in Kansas City. You can find us on Instagram at The Washed Process, and our website is thewashedprocess.com. Check out our show notes for more information and to see the coffees that we had today. Thank you so much for listening.